Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Hey guys, I have another podcast on IEPs for you. Now, I actually love doing podcasts about IEPs specifically with guests because I think this is always an area that you can level up on. You can learn new ways to streamline your organization, learn new ways to create the best possible IEP. And this is really the structure and the bones of your curriculum in your classroom. It's going to guide what activities you give your students, how you set up your classroom, what you need to train your staff on. It all really starts with the IEP. So I love learning from other people on how they set up their IEP processes, how they collect their data, gain input, all these great things. Today I'm joined by Dawn Ellis. Dawn is the host of the Be the Exception podcast, and she is also the teacher behind the Cultivating Exceptional Minds TPT store and social media presence. Dawn has a ton of experience in the classroom and has a lot of great suggestions when it comes to annual IEPs. Today, we specifically dive into how to gain input while setting up these IEPs. Whether you are gaining input from parents and caregivers or teachers or even the students themselves, this is such an essential component of the IEP. But as we talk about, if you wait to the last minute, it's a lot harder to gain input in a meaningful way. Dawn shares a lot of actionable advice about ways to get input, ways to differentiate, and even get specific as to what questions to ask, which I thought was great. So let's go ahead and dive into this conversation. Hi, Dawn. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Thanks so much for having me, Sasha. So today we're going to chat about the annual IEP, which may make some people want to turn this episode off because they don't love the IEP process, but I encourage them not to because I think that you are going to have a lot of great ideas on how to streamline this process. So let's kind of specifically dig into what your kind of process looks like when you're getting started with that annual review and kind of touch on how you start to get input from parents and caregivers. Sure. So when we talk about an IEP, there is goals and there are lots of different things, but one of the most important things to make sure that we include in IEPs is input. And that can include input from parents, input from teachers and other related service providers, and also students. Um, Specifically talking about parents, the National Coalition for Parental involvement says that no matter the background or anything involved, when parents are more involved in the process, kids tend to do better. So we want to just make sure that we are incorporating their input because the reality is they are the ones that know them the best or have been with them the longest. We may have a lot of strategies and knowledge. Um, And so today I just kind of wanted to talk about different ways to gain input and some questions to ask, especially dealing with um, parent input, but also touching on kid and student input as well. That's a great point, Don. that, you know, I think when I think of input on the IEP, my first thing kind of goes to parents, but obviously clinician input is so important, but student input. And yeah. I think thinking about all the people that have to be involved in it, it takes a little bit of maybe the pressure off of the teacher who feels like that whole IEP is sitting on your back, that we have all these other people that are going to help you and contribute to making this document. You're right. And I think that having everybody be a part and starting that process early, it allows you to not feel so overwhelmed when it is time to write the IEP because it's not just your data, your journey, with working with the student, you have various amounts of, of data from lots of different people. And so it's very interesting to kind of put those pieces together and develop this plan, this whole plan for a student. Um, and so I'm really excited just to kind of dive in to this today. And I hope that it, you know, it helps other listeners just kind of break down the overwhelm that sometimes you can feel. So Yeah. You mentioned starting early. So what does your timeline look like when you know you have an annual review coming up? Okay. So typically all of our annual reviews are for my district are at the end of the year. And it's a, it's a love hate relationship. I'm not (laughs) going to lie um, because I have had calendar reviews. So typically when I have calendar, no, when I have annual IEPs at the end of the year, I start working in January, creating a spreadsheet of everything that I'm going to need and whose IEPs I'm responsible for. This just helps me keep track of all those little moving pieces along the way to know what's been sent, what I still need to do. And so that really is the foundation of starting that process of writing IEPs. You could do it, you know, you normally like two months out, I would say, to start sending input out um, for IEPs because chances are at least to somebody you're going to have to send it again or they forgot or misplaced it. And it allows you time to have that information before you start sending notices out and different um, 
pieces for your meeting to have time to write it. The spreadsheet's a great suggestion. And even if your annual IEPs aren't set up like that, which I agree with you, Dawn, I don't know if I love that or hate that. (laughs) Um, But if they're sprinkled throughout the year, even setting up that spreadsheet in the start of the year with, okay, what are the due dates? And then set due dates for yourself. Okay, so if her annual IEP is in December, that means I'm going to get started on it in October. Right. And then plug in that in your calendar and stuff like that. Yeah, so in August, I typically read through all of my IEPs and make notes of, you know, their IEP goals that we're going to be working on, who are the related service providers. We need to make sure that they are aware that they're working with the students, but also those due dates of the re-evaluations or eligibility dates and their IEP so they don't sneak up on me. Because like, for example, some of my caseload this year, I have one student at the very beginning of the spring and the rest of them are at the end of the school year. And so, you know, by knowing it at the beginning of the year, it's not going to sneak up on me uh, come spring and I haven't done anything for that first one. Does that make sense? Yes. No surprises here. These are not the good kind of surprises. (laughs) Yeah. So what is, what is the process getting started? Who do you, who do you try to get input from first? Sure. So once I have that kind of spreadsheet, I look at the kinds of um, input, yes, that I would need. And so typically I try to get input from general ed teachers. And if I feel like students are really thriving in a specific elective, I also like to reach out and at least offer it to those teachers too. So say they are thriving in art or technology, because that's like their zone of genius or their jam. I want to get their input as well. And then getting parent background or parent input. Sometimes that's from both parents. Sometimes it's from one parent, um, but also the student. I'm telling you from preschool to high school, low functioning and high functioning, every student can give you input for their IEP. It could be pointing to pictures, telling you their favorite color or favorite toy or favorite snack, what they aspire to be, or things that they love to have um, in order to feel successful in the classroom. And that goes such a, it's so important and goes a long way in the IEP meeting that you took time to consider that child's voice as well. So, yes. And that's something that is forgotten about so often. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So with the teacher input, it allows you to really look at what reinforcements are working in the gen ed setting, what accommodations are, working for student that student or what is not working and maybe what they have tried. Um, it allows you to really hone in on the wins academically that they have had that year so that you can celebrate them in the strength section, but also see what maybe is still a struggle so that you can set that as an IEP goal or use that as a, a, um, a way to focus on next year so that they can continue to bridge that gap between ability and um, achievement. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Typically, when you reach out to gen ed teachers, what format do you use? Do you have, like, do you go chat with them in person? Do you send an email? Do you do a Google form? Like, what does the format typically look like that you have success with? Sure. So, typically, in this case, for parents and teachers, but specifically for teachers, I provide them with a printable um, that has, like, a, a, like, her, just kind of like a worksheet that has a bunch of questions. Um, I have kind of two options that I've seen success with. Sometimes teachers are on the go and they prefer more like check boxes. And so having kind of some choices and knowing what the teachers may want, while some like fill in the blank and like to write a lot of information, you know, having a variety of questionnaires and also based on the ability of the child. Um, and if that doesn't work or maybe they don't get it back to you, then you can are able to send them an email and you can either attach that form or send them a digital file of those same questions to where if they don't have time to maybe write it all out or that wasn't a great format for them, then you also have the option for a digital file. So um, that's kind of something that I try to do one. And if that doesn't work, try it back up do a backup version. So differentiate, special ed teachers, differentiation <laughs> is always the option, right? <laughs> I know. Exactly. What, what kinds of questions do you like, do you basically like to ask because you get good information from, you know, I know with, with surveys I've created for parents or students or teachers, but sometimes you ask a question and then later you get the answers. You're like, why did I even ask that? This isn't getting any good info. What questions <laughs> give you like the good info? Well, I really like to see I like to ask what um, what the student has succeeded in that year. Like, I want to know specifically what wins. Was it long division fat or long division, or was it addition word problems, or maybe it was just sitting in their seat and not having to be redirected and getting all of their token economy, you know, uh, completed during that session. What wins did they have? And then I ask about target areas um, or even areas that we feel like they need more help on as far as functionally or with more independence. Like what are, if it's a, a student that is higher functioning, like is there any kind of small thing that we need to work on social skills wise so that the kids are, um, you know, working on that social development or if once they have the, knowing the accommodations that work, 
um, you're able to kind of break down that information for the services page. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And as you were talking, I was kind of envisioning your kind of checklist suggestion that that could be really helpful kind of for giving some ideas to teachers because sometimes, you know, you're like, what are the wins? And you're like, oh God, Johnny's had no wins this year. But like your suggestion of like, hey, staying in your seat during the morning bell ringer, that's a win. But like not, that's kind of in the eye of the beholder, but you want to like point out to that teacher that like, hey, this is a win for Johnny here. Like you may not think it is, but we think it is. So like reminding them of like what a win could be or what something to work on could be. It's like kind of steering them in the right direction. You're right. I think that the checklist definitely helps kind of start them off thinking of, oh, these things have gone well, or these things are still things that they can work on. And so having that, and it doesn't take a lot of time for them, because that's another thing is sometimes teacher, I mean, general teachers have a lot to do, just like special ed teachers. And sometimes we add, you know, just one more thing. It's, um, it can be overwhelming. But so trying to make sure that we have input that is helpful, but that is not taking tons of time or just giving them a sense of overwhelm. And so having those check boxes and kind of having, so you can break it down into like functional and academics and maybe even accommodations where you can list out some things they can check and then they have a box for, you know, to share and expound on things that they checked off. Yeah, that's a great point on accommodations. How do you kind of check in with gen ed teachers on maybe what accommodations they have been using? Because, you know, I think sometimes we get in the routine with our annual IPs. We just check a million accommodations haphazardly. (laughs) But that really becomes like so unhelpful to a teacher. Like, okay, I should use one of these 35 strategies. Great. Like, is that something you add in in your like input form on accommodations as well? You know, I I have a section for accommodations and I'm really just asking what one or two especially stood out in their mind that they used this year that they feel successful. I haven't really done like um, a checklist of like, oh, hey, these are all the things you could have been doing. What did you do? But that is something that definitely you could do. Um, but I think that that is the beauty of collaboration. And so that shouldn't be, especially for general ed teacher, that shouldn't be your only time that you're talking with that teacher. It should be happening all year long. And so one of the other different forms of input is running records. And so if you talk to a teacher on October 12th and you made a little note that um, the teacher was going to try, you know, chunking instead of a word bank this time, having that note, you can still use that in the IEP. Um, And so that kind of leads me into different ways to gain input. So we talked about having printables and having digital, which could be a QR code or a Google form or even in the form of an email, but also an interview, whether you take a few minutes after school to just talk to the teacher, if they say they don't have time to like fill out your form, then stop by and ask them a couple of those questions over the course of a couple of weeks. It doesn't have to all be done at one time if it's too much, but also having those running records of, you know, having a conversation here and there, um, taking all of that information can still be your form of input. And I'm talking about whether that is your general ed teacher or your parent or even the child. Um, So know that there isn't one way that you have to do it. And sometimes it's the beautiful thing of a little bit of all of it. 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, writing it down is so key because I think in, you know, busy schools with busy teachers, so much happens in side conversations. Like you're, you happen to be walking to the parking lot with the OT and you chat about the, your student session last week, or, you know, you're waiting in line for the bathroom with the the art teacher and, and you have to write it down. Like I forget what I had for lunch when I walk away. And, <laughs> and you brought up such a good point on like, you can look back then and you have all this information there. Yeah. And that actually reminds me that at the beginning of the year, I have the parents fill out like an intake form just to kind of get to know them, whether I had them last year or not. And then I have them fill out input. And sometimes it's interesting to like just read how they've changed over the course of that year between the beginning of the year. And then when you have them fill it out, you know, early winter or midwinter, because things change. And that's another good point of I have the parents fill out a preference assessment or inventory and that changes throughout the year. Like I have one student who loves music and the songs that he likes, we have to update his little playlist <laughs> like monthly because it changes. Um, but I'm, oh, thankful- I feel him. Me too. You get to sing a song, <laughs> right? Like exactly. <laughs> uh, so it changes. And so we're able to update that quickly but it doesn't necessarily take an input form or a, a survey or a preference sheet to do that. It's just that little communication, but you can note it down on running records. Um, so, you know, it, don't start simple and, mm. um, and just so knowing that you have the different ways to gain input for sure. So you mentioned kind of, you know, this, these repeated surveys with parents, which I think is such a smart idea because yeah, like, things are going to change and parents comfort level with your, the teacher is going to change throughout the year, especially if it's a new family, they might not feel comfortable saying all the things they're concerned about in August, but maybe by December they are. So what does this process of getting input look like with parents? Is it kind of follow a similar trajectory like you've talked about with staff in the building? Sure. It is similar. Um, I think at the beginning of the year, there's typically a meet the parent night and that is a great time to have them parent surveys already printed and you're able to hand it off to them, but also start that conversation and build that rapport then. Um, So you can start asking those questions and note down likes and dislikes or things that they're willing to work for. Kind of having your like questions ready in your mind so that you can ask them kind of on the go. So even if they don't get that paper right back to you, you're still able to formulate. And hopefully that IEP, that previous IEP helps develop a plan um, in your head as well of, of who the student is. But the goal is to start at the beginning of the year with like parent night or mailing at home or even just a phone call saying, hey, I'm your child's special ed teacher. I just had a couple of quick questions what form would you like me to send it in? Would you like it digitally? Would you like me to send it in their backpack? Or you want to just have a conversation on the phone? What works best for you? And then notating that. So if they prefer all of their communication in a digital format, you have Google Forms ready just to have that link and you copy it and paste it into an email and it's off. Or maybe they want a reminder in their backpack, but they want digital having a form that has a QR code on the um, a letter home to the parent and they can scan that real quick and it takes them directly to that Google form. Um, those are great options in a digital aspect. You also, 
have just the printable versions. And I like to have check boxes we talked about with the teachers, but having it for parents as well. And it is different kinds of interest and different kinds of um, academics that they may like or things that they're willing to work for at home in addition to having some questions as well to where they don't get overwhelmed and frustrated. But one thing I haven't mentioned up to this point with parents, it's important to gain input. And I think that's kind of our underlying point in this entire conversation. But something I haven't brought up so far is knowing your parents' native language and to the best of your ability, sending home input or surveys in their native language. Oh my gosh, this was on my list to bring up to you. How did you even know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, talk to me about how you make sure this happens. Sure, so in the past, I've had students that spoke um, Spanish or Korean. And so sometimes it's a matter of getting your forms translated before they go home. And that's actually why I ended up creating some of the surveys that I have Um So I have them available in English and Spanish because I had so many families that um, I needed to get input for and I couldn't talk to them. So we um, so a lot of districts have translators. So you may have to have them on the phone or email them the list of questions and have them do an interview. Um, But I ended up getting (laughs) my own surveys, you know, transcribed into different languages so that. I could send those home. And it was a point of like, hey, I know you don't speak English, but I still value your input and your knowledge about your child. I've taken the time to have this in a different language, and I hope it's close to perfect uh, in your language, but so that they feel like they can still be a part. And then you may have to have your district translator then translate that. And I just staple it to that survey. So I have the English version and the other language that is chosen or needed so that that language barrier isn't the reason that their input isn't in the IEP. Yes. And I think I've seen too many, I have so many like horror stories on this that (laughs) I probably shouldn't share, but I've seen too many times, you know, the older sibling, like all of the onus for the translating put on them, which is so unfair, you know, like a junior high or high school child that has to be the translator. And, and now we have, even if it's not perfect, we do, there's so many awesome technology tools. Like you can use Google translate. It's not going to be perfect. There'll be things that are messed up, but it's better than nothing. It's better than sending home a letter that, you know, the parent cannot read. Like that has to just be horribly offensive. I agree. And I, I've had to pull up Google Translate on more than one occasion. I mean, I think back just last year I had to do it um, because the translator isn't always available and you have to make do. And so knowing that you do have options to communicate with parents, whether it, you know, I had someone um, that only spoke Korean. And so I found out that there was some kind of like texting app that's similar to WhatsApp. Um, and she could communicate through that in texting form, but there was no like barrier between the two of us. Um, but also Google Translate, uh, yes, it wasn't perfect, but she got the general idea and mm-hmm. we were able to communicate, um, you know, just to talk about that student and their needs. So kind of having to think outside the box, but knowing that you have options available. And I think being that. like a little bit 
persistent slash I would go all the way to pushy on that. Like, okay, one horror story I'm going to tell with you, John, but (laughs) everyone that's listening is I had a student for a lot of years whose parents spoke Cantonese and the district sent a translator to the IEP meeting several years in a row that spoke Mandarin, which is a different language. (laughs) And it was like mortifying. Like, and the same woman actually came two years in a row and showed up and was like, I like, we both laughed. And then we were like, I was like, so embarrassed. I'm like, we know you don't speak this parent's language. And it was just kind of like everyone dropping balls and everyone was even irritated that I was demanding that a translator be there. I'm like, this is their child. Like they don't understand. And I want to know what they're saying. This is as much for me as it is for them. And, you know, people didn't seem to care at first. Well, I didn't realize until I started with, you know, making sure I had interpreters that there are different forms of Spanish as well. And so Mm -hmm. you would have an interpreter and they were like, I don't speak this kind of Spanish. You know, I don't completely understand what they're even saying. And it's just like, Okay, well, we may have to table this because I, you know, but having pushed through and and getting the right person there, we were able to find out more medical history that was not ever written down, you know, to better know that child's journey. Um, Because that kind of goes all the way back to those parents have been with this child, you know, since day one, and they know that perspective and aspects that we don't know at home. So it's so important that we take time to learn from them. Yeah. What kind of, I mean, you already touched on this just now, but like, what are like the big picture benefits that you see, like tangibly when you really include parents in a meaningful way, like you've said, giving the differentiation options for how to give input, having input throughout the year, making sure it's in their native language. Like overall, how does that change your relationship with families? Well, first of all, I feel like they see your vested interest in their child's learning journey with you that year. And they see that rapport is being built and you're able to truly get to know that child so that they can be as independent as possible um, and and really work at home and at school on like-minded concepts. And so I feel like it really gives the parents a good foundation of your your journey of working with the student. And it only improves all year long if you start it in August of wanting to know about their child and learn more about them and giving them feedback. Don't just ask for input all year long, which you can, but sandwich that in with successes and small wins and how they're doing or, hey, this worked or this didn't work. I'm just letting you know, um, I can't encourage you enough to make sure that you are reaching out to your parents. It makes their day to hear, hey, they did addition today by themselves. Yeah, it took 10 Skittles. We're not going to talk about that necessarily, but they were able to you know, solve these problems or you know, the student followed their toileting schedule all day long and stayed dry, like how huge that is. Um, Not just- it takes like less than 60 seconds for you to do, but like you said, can make their whole day. (laughs) Exactly. And it it doesn't always have to be a phone call. It could be a note in their folder. It could be even a note that you mail home or a postcard. It's just those little things along the way, letting them know, updating them. They just want to know what they're doing, how they're doing. And that allows you to 
create that bridge. So then when you do need that input or when they go to the doctor, they go ahead and send you that updated medical information or they keep you informed of upcoming surgeries because they know you're a person in their circle and advocating for the student's well-being. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Don. So many great actionable tips, things that are easy to start with, easy to add in and ways to, you know, the theme, like differentiate. Um, Where can people go to learn more from you? Sure. Uh, You can find me on social media at Cultivating Exceptional Minds. Um, It's, I have Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and just continue that conversation of talking about how to make sure we're having everybody at the table to uh, write the best IEP that we can because uh, it truly makes a difference. Awesome. Thank and you also, so much, Don. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you have a podcast. I was like, tell them about your podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I do have a podcast <laughs> as well, uh, Be the Exception, and uh, new episodes air every Thursday, and it's specifically designed for special ed teachers. So I'd love for you to take a listen there. Um, Sasha was on just a couple weeks ago, so um, constantly learning and growing there. So you can check that out as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Don. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.